everyone. I'm Alexa. And I'm Catherine. And we're the girls behind Tickets, Please. And on today's episode, we're talking all about the movie, Something's Gotta Give. So I had two cavities that were supposed to be like no big deal. And um, I was supposed to split them into two appointments. I got there today and he's like, you want to do both? I was like, sure, I guess. So I don't have to come back. And then he did both and both ended up being worse than he anticipated. So cool. Always a fun time. If I sound a little lispy, that's because I'm still <laughs> novocaned up. How's everything going with work? It's good. I actually have uh, two tiny little things. One is an update. An update on the uh, saga that is my light in my office. They installed a light on the ceiling above my desk. This is your lesson, everybody. Speak up. Because I asked and they did it. I before me sat there 10 years and never said anything. No. Yeah. And the other weird thing that happened this week at work is um, a broker retired. So I got a new broker and he called and I called him and I was talking to him for a second. And he's like, you know, I got to ask you something. Conchitori. He said, your phone, when you called me, it came up Paul Conchitori. And I said, yeah, that's my dad. And he's like do you have any relation to Al or Steve or Vinny? And I was like, yeah. And he said that Poppy, our grandfather, gave him his first job at Pezro. And then he's known them like since then. That's unreal. Did I ever tell you that almost the same thing happened to me when I first started recruiting years ago? Really? No. In like my first couple of weeks, I... A guy, like a candidate, sent me his resume and we got on the phone to chat about openings I had. And he was like, Conchitori. He's like, that sounds so, he's like, there can't be that many of you guys. He's like, are you related to, and he was naming like Poppy's brothers. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, he grew up on the same street as them. Well, I told you, I think it was a couple, it was probably a year ago at this point that at one point, my VP and one of the directors for produce was meeting with a new company and it was our second cousin. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) he sends me a text and he's like, I'm sitting here with your cousin. I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) That's wild. This was either the second or third time I've seen it all the way through. This was my second time watching it all the way through. Wait, what? Yeah. I oh. thought it was like one of your favorite. It really, watched. it is. It's not my most watched, but it is. it was, I saw it once and it was an instant favorite. Like you said, th- from beginning to end, I've seen parts of it when it's on, or sometimes I just like to put scenes that I like on, but sitting down and watching it, moment one to the end this is was the second time so i i think you had me watch it sometime last year when we made before we even started this podcast i actually had forgotten that i had you watch it yeah i thought you had seen it on uh, off on your own well that's what i was gonna say i think i had seen it once before but it was oh. like a really long time ago and it, mm-hmm. i didn't really remember it and so when you had me watch it last year, I really, really liked it. This time when I watched it, I don't oh, know no. what came <laughs> over me. No, it's a good thing. I 
not only did I love it, but I almost wanted to cry throughout the entire thing. I cried so much more watching it this time than watching it the first time. What is that? Even scenes that are not, you're not meant to cry at. This is going to sound so cheesy, but this is the only word I can think to describe it. It's so tender. Yeah. All of the moments that they have, and even the stuff outside of the Erica-Harry relationship, is all so loving and good. I forgot how great the Amanda Pete stuff is. I love her i love her too i always have she's like a secret favorite of mine because she's really not in all that much but she's just and she is perfect as her daughter in this and they i like that they give her a a decent amount she has the thing all the stuff in the beginning with harry and and deciding and she's so cute and mature about it but she's so immature in so many other ways and then all the stuff that happens with her father getting engaged to someone her age and how that's so full circle and, and the conversation she has with her mom on the beach. Please. I know. I mean, we'll get into, cause we have a lot to get into. <laughs> we'll get into it, but I loved it even more than the first time. Wow. I can, we basically had the same experience. Yeah. We've talked about Nancy Myers set design a lot recently. Mm-hmm. B, A, because it's something we love, but B, because we just did movie kitchens and we also had that convo with rom-com gents. And so as I was watching this, I was, I always pay attention, but I was paying attention even more and thinking about how much of the interiors of that house really hold up. Really? Like to current design style? Yeah, I would say probably 80% of what's in that house, I would totally put in a beach house today. Does that have something to do with she just has an impeccable sense of what is like in timeless st- timeless for a house? Or is does it also have something to do with that it is a beach house? So that kind of evolves a little less or no? Probably both, uh, but I think because the design leans toward traditional, I'm sure that plays a part in it. You know what I loved about the house was I thought it was lit so beautifully. Like when it's daytime, it's lit obviously as day, sun's coming in and it's very bright. But I loved that at night, it really didn't feel as though they were on a set with professional lighting. It felt like when she walks into Harry's room and he just has the bedside light on the room feels like that's the only light that's on, even though that's impossible for a a set. Every time they're in a room where it's a little dark or there's lights on in certain rooms and not in the rest of the house, it, it really felt so grounded and real to be in the beach house with, especially at night. I would be interested to speak with someone who does lighting for her Mm. films because I've noticed actually that, that there are tons of lamps all over her sets in every one of her movies. Mm -hmm. And in those evening scenes, there's almost always multiple lamps on and they create like a really, really warm, cozy, ambient lighting. Yes. And like you said, of course, there is there are additional lighting sources. It's a, but I I wonder 
how much of the lighting that's incorporated actually is coming from those lamps. While we're on the subject of interior design, I was like looking up some facts just to see if there was anything interesting. And I did come across, did you happen to notice that Harry's townhouse in the city is the same townhouse that they use in the Devil Wears Prada for Meryl? I did not notice myself and I looked it up and right before we got on, I was scrolling through for just scenes and looked it up and it is. (laughs) Wow. That is so interesting. That's so cool. We should do an episode on something like that. Yeah, I agree. Cause I wonder how that happens. Like, is that, it's so interesting that a, a, a set like that would be used more than once. Is it because someone saw it and thought, I want to use that? I would love to know what, how that happens. I guess I would have to try and see if there's a way to, to look something like it's that It's a up. real townhouse, like an existing townhouse? I believe so. Um, then it must be, there must be like a database where people mm, list their homes to be rented out for movies. That makes sense. It has to be a real townhouse. Not to veer off course here, but there's a literal wild sunflower growing outside the window. Really? I'm going to send you a picture when we're off. Sunflowers are my favorite flowers. No way. Yes. I love sunflowers. You must have loved that uh, Sharon Stone post I put up on Instagram. Yes. Were you like, get me that dress, baby? (laughs) Yeah, I could definitely pull a dress like that off. I was shocked to see Frances McDormand in a semi non-eccentric role for herself. She was, I forgot that she was in it. Me too. When I saw her, I was a little startled with her long hair and seemingly regular character. Yeah. It was funny when they have their dinner, when they first get there and they have their dinner and she basically explains the plot of the movie when she's talking about the difference between men and women at that age and what dating is like and how men get more attractive and more desirable and women, you can't find a date. And she goes on and on about basically the through line of the whole movie about what it's like for men and women to date at certain ages. Let's take you and Erica, for example. Zoe, here, you've been around the block a few times. Am I right? What are you around 60? 63. Fantastic. Never married, which, as we know, if you were a woman, would be a curse. You'd be an old maid, a spinster, blah, blah, blah. So instead of pitying you, they write articles about you. Celebrate your never marrying. You're elusive and ungettable, a real catch. Then there's my gorgeous sister here. No, wait, what? Listen, no, this is interesting. Look at her. She is so accomplished. The most successful female playwright since who? Lillian Hellman. She's over 50, divorced, and she sits in night after night after night because the available guys her age want something. Forgive me for saying this, honey, but they want somebody that looks like Marin. So the whole over 50 dating scene is geared towards men leaving older women out. And as a result, the women become more and more productive and therefore more and more interesting, which in turn makes them even less desirable because, as we all know, men, especially older men, are threatened and deathly afraid of productive and interesting women. It is just so clear. Single older women as a demographic are about as fucked a group as can ever exist. A little heavy foreshadowing there. (laughs) It was. It was right off the bat laid completely out, but then it was fine because I love when they go into the kitchen and Diane drops the plate. What are you, possessed? How can you say those things? 
and and that Frances McDormand responds with that she thinks she was on to something as if this isn't something <laughs> we've all experienced like known she thinks she's breaking ground on a new theory well it seems really obvious to me the injustice of it thank god men die younger than us it's the only break we get I recently went on a I don't even want to call it a deep dive. I'll say a shallow dive on Keanu. And I read a few articles on him. And I already knew I loved him. We all love him. But those articles like really solidified it for me. And then seeing him in this with that additional context, he taught, speaking of tender. It's so funny because I listened to a rom-com podcast I think it's called I Love Rom-Coms is really what it's called. P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. And they have a section where they talk about movie tropes in rom-coms. And one of their tropes is good on paper guy. And he is like the definition of good on paper guy. He is the model. Except that then he actually is like a good IRL guy too. Oh, well, yes, (laughs) of course. Like usually the good on paper guys are in movies end up being like yeah, or they not end up, so yeah, great. They end up being, or they end up being so two dimensional that it's like, they don't really even right. count as they're just, their sole purpose is to be the, the good guy. That's like, you know, he might be great, but we don't want her to be with him. Like James Marsden in the notebook, there's nothing wrong with him, but we right. want her to be with, with Noah. I like ditch that boring guy. That's, that's, that's that perfect. boring, handsome, that's, perfect yeah, guy. Rich, boring, <laughs> lovely man who wants to marry you. Forget that guy. I just fell so deeply in love with Julian that I and like listen, I had seen it before. I knew how it ended. But when she shows up on the bridge, I don't know what the bridge is called. I should. It's like a famous. I should know what that's called, but. I was disappointed and I do believe she belonged with Harry. And even still, I was disappointed. It's so, but, but what I do love is that they put it on when she shows up, when Erica shows up at the bridge at the end and she says to him that Julian could tell from our, our thing. I love that they gave him a final send off of like, even in their breakup, he's like, you, you belong with Harry. You don't belong with me. It's so perfect and great for him. It's even he gets to be the hero, even in that ending where he doesn't end up with her. He's so evolved and mature that he understands that she should be with Harry instead of him. Evolved is definitely the word for him. Because even how adorable and lovely he is when she blows him off and then he sees her sister at the farmer's market Mm -hmm. and they come and have dinner and they get that and, you know, they rekindle things. Even in all of that, he's never a jerk. He's never because she totally blows him off. But he's just like, you know, all you have to do is say you're sorry and kiss me and then I'll. He's such a steady, unshakable presence. It's what and, we all need. And speaking of lighting, I love their date when they go to the restaurant and the, it's so hazy and beautiful and he's dressed so nicely and looks so perfect. I love it. When she walks out to, to meet him at the door for the date and she's in that black dress, I die. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, how could she be more beautiful? She is radiant. All they do is put her in these solid colored shirts and she still looks amazing. The way that she's shy, but also glowing and 
sort of giggly about the fact that he's so into her. Like, she's such a good actress. Her, this is one of my favorite, honestly, performances by her. It really is. Especially when it comes to all the crying she does. That could come off as so cheesy and stupid if somebody was doing it wrong. Like that whole montage of her when after her and Harry break up and she's writing and she's crying. That could be, I mean, it borderlines, but that could have been so like, all right, enough now. It's so stupid or whatever. But she plays it so perfectly. Her moving from laughing to crying and even right after they have sex and she starts crying, it Mm -hmm. feels so genuine. That is such a moment because when she starts crying, you we already know that this scenario has probably happened to Harry dozens of times mm-hmm. and how he would ordinarily react if a woman cried like afterward while they were laying in bed like that. And I, again, even though I'd already seen it, I was like bracing myself. And then the way that he does react, I can't even remember what he says, but it's so sweet. Yes, he's so sweet. He says that he can't, he starts crying and he says that he's crazy. I can't remember the last time I cried. I think I'm overwhelmed. I mean, are you kidding me? Also, I wanted to say about the crying, like her crying after they break up. Yeah. Reminded me of Cameron Diaz in The Holiday. Yes. When she's like trying to cry and then she goes back to normal because she didn't do it. And then she's trying again. Because it's Although, of course, Erica is not trying to cry. She is crying. But but her because her emotions are swinging back and forth, too, it, it has the same kind of energy. And it's so funny. Because while we're, while obviously it's heartbreaking for her and she's really crying from her heart because she's heartbroken, but it's funny watching it happen. It's, there is such a good blending of funny and tender and beautiful because in the moment we just talked about after they have sex, right after Harry says that he thinks he's overwhelmed, he says something like, I had sex three days after a heart attack and I didn't die. It's gotta be some kind of a record. And it's hysterical right after he just had this beautiful moment where he's saying he can't remember the last time he cried. Now he's applauding himself for being able to have sex three days after a heart attack. Yeah. And then we're like, wait, so is that what he's crying about? Is that what he's overwhelmed about? (laughs) Exactly. It's such a perfect illustration of how we watch Harry take two steps, like one step forward and two steps yes. back and, and sort of get like pushed and pulled between the, the new him and the old him. Yes. The humor was very like elevated. I felt it wasn't without it. Be, I mean, except for, you know, when she's having montages or for crying and then, and then the whole stuff where she writes the play about him, that's very obvious comedy, but it's still, there are so many like smart lines that are funny. <laughs> I love after he sees her naked by accident and she's wearing the bucket hat and the glasses and the 
black poncho and she looks <laughs> so dramatic and ridiculous. And he says to her, he's trying to, you know, make a joke out of it. And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. And he says to her, Hey, you saw my ass. You don't see me acting nuts and wearing glasses and hats and weird outfits. It really got me thinking not to just keep bringing this up, but the conversation we had after I listened to rom-com gents about how Nancy Myers writes men and how they really are a woman's perspective of what a female gaze gaze of what, of what a man should be. And I think Harry is just such a example of that. He just says so many beautiful things and tender, sweet things. Even when he's joshing with her, when he asks her to go for the walk and she's clearly frazzled and not really sure what to say. And he, and he says, it's just a walk, Eric, not a marriage proposal. (laughs) So cute. And he's so loving without even meaning to be. Yeah. And, and the way he goes from being a womanizer who can't commit to someone who not only falls deeply in love and commits, but to a, a woman, his own age for the first time. Yes. It's such an illustration of the guys that we we as women mm-hmm. meet and see potential in and hope they'll change. Yes. And of course, 99% of the time they don't. But this is like a, an ideal scenario. Like this yeah. is the way so many women might like it to play out. Absolutely. And even when the scene where they're making pancakes and he's talking to her and she's asking her she's asking him what he thinks of her the things he says about her it reminds me of you know that movie set it up that netflix rom-com there's a scene where zoe deutsch is telling the male lead that there are two kinds of compliments a woman wants to hear one where one is something she already knows about herself and one is something she hopes people see about her or so, it's some it's some dichotomy of a compliment one is more of an obvious what she wants people to tell her and one is what she hopes people really think and so often we don't get the second version where people tell us what they what we really hope that we are and he in that moment goes for that second deeper compliment you're a tower of strength oh Try not to rate my answer. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry, but... You know what you're like? You're like one of those great portraits you see over a fireplace. Words have been invented to describe women like you. Such as? Flinty. Ah. And uh, impervious. So you think I'm inhuman? No. I think you're formidable. Yeah, cold, distant, like I'm frozen in some painting. Not at all. But I do think that you use your strength to separate yourself from everyone. But it's thrilling when your defenses are down and you're not isolated. That, I believe, is your winning combo. Killer combo, actually. You know, I I can't decide if, oh, God, if you hate me or if... uh... You're like the only person who ever really got me. I don't hate you. Words have been invented to describe women like you. I mean, (laughs) 
Find me one woman on earth who doesn't want to hear that. Like, are you kidding me? I think I'm going to be a, make a bold statement. I think my favorite line delivery of Jack Nicholson's in this whole movie is when Amanda Pete walks in and interrupts their little pancakes thing. And, and Erica gets, you know, a little shaken and, and is bailing. When he says to her, you don't want pancakes anymore. I can't even describe to you. I really can't. I watched it so many. He says it so perfectly. It The words are so simple, but his facial expression and the weight behind what he's asking her is next level. Not to get too niche, but it gives me the same feeling as that thing, which I've mentioned to you before, when older people, you can tell that they're older by the, what they say and the way they write Mm -hmm. it. When older people review really, really simple items on Amazon. Yes. You've told me about this. (laughs) Same feeling. Yes. He's just so hopeful and like, like you see, he's disappointed and and wholesome. Yes. He's disappointed that their moment got got interrupted, and he's hoping that she hasn't changed her mind about how she feels that the, he feel he felt like it was going. And all he says is, "You don't want pancakes anymore." And even her response, just she's responding to the question she knows he really wanted to ask, which is, he, "She's just like, no, I don't," and she just leaves the room. That's so heart aching. But going back to the scene right before that their I am conversation their first one I could watch it on repeat forever wait which one is that where they're the one saying, where he like, asked you in the her, kitchen yeah he I love the little comments they make to themselves as they're writing answers and he's chuckling at his responses and he's trying to think of when she says that she's writing and he says that she's relentless because she's (laughs) writing and it's midnight presumably right after she had a date and then he suggests that they have a pajama party it's too much and then he walks out and he they see each other from across the room. That shot is so great when they walk out into the room because the room, this is that lighting thing I was talking about because the room they're walking into, there's no, there's like one light on all the lights coming from their rooms and they walk into that big room and he says, we are cute. <laughs> I, I don't think I caught that. Yes. He walks out and they're both wearing their robes. And he says, we are cute. (laughs) It almost feels symbolic. It's like a visual representation of the way that they're ever so slowly inching toward each other and their vulnerability. And when they finally agree to have pancakes together, it feels like it's finally cracked open and they're finally meeting each other in the same place, both literally and figuratively. And so I understand when it when it gets interrupted and and Diane has that moment of insecurity and then basically says like forget it forget it I don't mm-hmm. want it. Mm-hmm. You can see her and you can feel her closing the door back to where it's safer and more comfortable. Yes. And you know what I love also in that scene is I'm trying to look up her name. Amanda Pete's character is Marin. I love the choice to make her pick up on it. She looks at them and and is trying to figure out what exactly is going on and, and what kind of situation she's clearly walked herself into. 
I love what how she handles it the next day at the store and she's talking to her mother about it. And she's saying like, you like him. And I think the reason that you're trying to pretend you don't like him is because you think I like him, but I'm telling you that I don't and that we've never had sex and, and that I'm going to break up with him because I don't want to be the reason that you cut this off for yourself. I'm breaking up with Harry. What do you mean? Why? Cause I met someone else. In the two days since you've been gone? You know me, my life's crazy. I meet a thousand new people every day. Besides, let's face it, he's insanely too old for me. I'd be nuts to keep this thing going. True. But you know, he's, I know, he's soulful when you don't expect him, right? Oh my God. It's unnerving. Now, Mom, listen. I was thinking, if you could handle this, you and Harry, I can't handle it wouldn't want to handle it. You're only saying that because you think that he and I have had sex. Shut lower your voice. Haven't you? Never, not even close. I swear to God. Now, I'm just putting this out there because for two people who are convinced they've got life beat, there was something cooking in the kitchen last night other than pancakes. I love that. And the conversation she has with her mother in the kitchen when they finally do break up and she realizes that he also was kind of breaking up with her at the same time. He was an ace. Elegant. Said our fate was to be friends. Oh my God. Oh my God, he was breaking up with me. I didn't even... He's a genius. It's so adorable <laughs> that she's doing that for her mom and that she's happy for her and and that she's not going to stand in the way and she's incur- she's acting like the best friend character in a rom-com. But really, it's her daughter. When they have that heart-to-heart, on the stairs at the beach and then later toward the end when Harry shows up at her door to apologize and she says that she's pregnant and that she got married it's so beautiful because it shows how how much that conversation and this whole experience impacted her and yes. encouraged her to make the decision to open up to love too. Yeah. Like what Erica says to her on the beach that she thinks she says to her something like, now do you get my theory about all this? You got to self-protect. Uh, you don't really buy this stuff you say, do you? You don't actually think that you can outsmart getting hurt. I think it's worth trying. Listen to me. You can't hide from love for the rest of your life because maybe it won't work out. Maybe you'll become unglued. It's just not a way to live. Are you telling me this is good, what's happened to you? I think you should consider the possibility that you and I are more alike than you realize. I let someone in, and I had the time of my life. I've never had the time of my life. I know, babe. And I say this from the deepest part of my heart. What are you waiting for? And she realizes that the reason is because she also is never really loving or enjoying herself as fully as she should be. When she says that, when Erica says that she's had the time of her life, even though she's completely heartbroken right now. And then Marin responds with that she's never had the time of her life. 
so rarely in a romantic comedy do you see that kind of development, growth, and payoff for the the secondary and tertiary characters. It's so it really brings the movie to a whole other level. That the storyline with her with her daughter, even the stuff that's so funny when she's freaking out about her dad, which is the situation she was just in herself, which is obviously the irony of the whole thing. And when she's freaking out, but and then I love the line she says where she says, "I have to go sell forty million dollars worth of art." At the end, <laughs> that's the button at the end of that sentence. That's when she freaks out. I, it's just so great. I love so much that she learned that lesson to to risk loving. Yeah. And of course, because it's a romantic comedy, it it pays off perfectly for her. And and you know, we know it it's not always like that in reality. <laughs> of but course. I think that's such a foundational pillar of growth when we when we actually really genuinely learn that lesson. That of course we don't want to recklessly throw ourselves into things disregarding the fact that we might get hurt, but to risk that knowing that the payoff could be real, genuine, deep love is such a really beautiful thing. It really is. And when you when you make your way to the other side of that and start realizing that not only is it worth the risk, but also that when you do get hurt, that there are lessons in that too. And that actually is also payoff in its own way too. It makes you view everything else in your life differently. Yes. And that is such a dichotomy that's in the whole movie because you have these two, because Diane is someone who's later in life, she's lit, she's been married, she's had a career, she's older, and she's learned a lot of lessons. And she's in a place that's completely different than her daughter, who's in a place where she, like, Erica even says at the beginning that this will never last, not only because of Harry, but because she can't commit either. Marin, she's talking about her daughter. I know she'll never see him after this weekend. She can't commit either. And and then Harry is in a place, despite being later in life, of immaturity like her daughter. And then you have Julian, who is younger, but is clearly demonstrating a much more mature view of life. And that all of those people, how they all interplay is they all end up changing except for really Julian, but he doesn't really need any kind of change in his story. He's really just evolving with the characters, but it's such brilliant writing. Seriously. I also think it's a good demonstration of like what I just mentioned that as much as Julian loves Erica and wants to Uh, we can assume wants to spend his life with her. Yeah. We see that because he has reached that level of maturity and deep understanding of how, I want to say like of how life works. I don't really mean it that way, (laughs) Uh but like of how this aspect of life works that when he recognizes that Erica actually is in love with Harry, he has the ability to, uh, to identify that and then actually let her go. And, and of course we can assume that he, you know, is hurt and, and of course. misses her and is upset about it. But we also know that he's not broken beyond repair. Yes. I love when Harry tells, when they talk about their night together, he 
says that. At one point, I even thought soulmates. My <laughs> heart. There's like 50 hairy lines that I swear just. Do you believe in soulmates? Yes. In the sense of what I actually think I believe in soulmates in the way this movie portrays soulmates that I can believe, like, it's never unbelievable to me that these people have only spent three days together and that they have that connection after sleeping together once that, and that's sort of what I, I don't believe in the thing that sometimes gets thrown into soulmates, which is that there's one person out there for you. That part I don't think is true, but the kismet nature behind soulmates of, of meeting someone who it feels like you've known them forever and that you were like meant to know them or to be with them that I believe in. Mm. Another thing I love about the writing when Harry says to Erica that you are a woman to love when he says it at first, you're almost like, Oh, how sweet. And then when she walks out of the room and is like, what, what is that? <laughs> she's thinking to herself because she's calling out. That's not really what you want someone to say to you. You are a woman to love is not that I love you. It's that, you you know, someone could love you. And she, I love that when that stuff happens and when they break up later, there's a couple of lines like that. She doesn't let stuff fly by. She calls it out and and forces them to address it when they're breaking up on the street and um think which she says i just wish that it had lasted more than a week me too oh that is a terrible thing to say and he mm. says and he says me too and she's like don't say that because the reason it's not lasting more than a week is you, not me. Yeah. So don't say that. I know you don't want it to have lasted more than a week. Although the truth is that he did. He just yes. didn't. He just well, yes, equipped. he just doesn't correct. That's what it, that's a better way of saying it. But right, but she's saying this is ostensibly you're you're doing that this is happening. So don't try and tell me that that's not what's really going on. Well, yeah. And you, and you were right when you said that he didn't want to, because that's how she feels in that. Yes. Like we know it's that he wasn't equipped to to make it to, you know, have it go further than that. But to her, understandably, it feels like that's all he wanted was that week. Right. Especially because she knows his history and his past and what he's normally like and how he treats women and that he's already on a date with somebody else. So she knows his normal ways and just she feels like she was tricked. Yeah, exactly. And that maybe he didn't purposely go in it into the situation wanting to trick her, but that's how he allowed it to play out. And even to your point, he tries to articulate the difference between the feelings when he says that he doesn't know how to be a boyfriend. The truth is, I, I just... I don't know how to be a boyfriend. That's what you have to say after all of this, that you don't know how to be a boyfriend? It's not a small thing. 
And mm-hmm. she says, really, that's what you're going to go with as your answer. <laughs> and, 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 he's, and he says, it's not a small thing. Mm. He's trying to try to get her to see the difference between that. He does love her and wants to be with her, but he doesn't think he can. And she doesn't, obviously in that moment, she's devastated. So she can't see the difference, but he tries with that line that it's not a small thing that he's trying to say to her, listen, I I wish I could be the person that you need me to be, but I don't think that I can. And I love that there's actually toward the end, we, I don't know what it's called, but toward the end, they put that thing up on the screen that says six months later. Mm, Yeah. Title card. It's usually called a title card. I was so glad they did that because in real life, yes. it, he wouldn't have been able to just change in a matter of weeks, no matter how badly he might have wanted to. So the fact that they give it like that Nancy gave it that breathing room and a realistic length of time for him to have actually gone through and and done the work. A thousand percent. I love because I when I first watched this, I was watching it in the living room and my dad was working at the dining room table and he had seen it and liked it because he loves Jack Nicholson. And he's and he was walking in and out, you know, doing the dad thing where you walk in and out of the movie <laughs> and um, and stand there and refuse yeah, to sit down. Correct. Yeah. So as I was watching it, I remember I was getting towards the end and he had only seen it once. And he said that he's not even sure if they end up together. And that was a sub- a substantial possibility. The movie could have easily ended with them not together. And I'm glad that it did, that they were together. I liked the happy ending. But I remember thinking as it was going, like nine months later and the Paris thing, I was thinking, wow, he might be right. They might not end up together because time has passed. And maybe it'll be like the breakup where you think they might mm-hmm. get back together and then time passes and you see they, they don't. And so I was thinking that's where it was headed. But I loved that it made it feel much more real, much more real than for him to have shown up at her house or something cheesy without the time and the work that he had to actually do to change for real. How much do I love the look on his face when he's sitting with Erica at the table in Paris and Julian walks in? God, that I love all of that too. Cause again, it's so Julian of him to want him to see, he know, obviously he knows what, I mean, he didn't, he flew all the way to Paris. He knows he wasn't there <laughs> to, to, to just say hi and leave, but then he invites him to dinner and that they all have dinner. And that, that part being a part of the end of their happy ending is so great. I love the little comedic moment where he takes out her glasses and puts them on. <laughs> <laughs> That he puts on her glasses and and her, his looks so great on Diane, on Erica. Yeah. And, and he's wearing these tiny little <laughs> old lady glasses. <laughs> I think it's it's so beautiful because it not only is it funny, like you said, but it also is when Julian really knows. And it also shows their connection because of the way that they communicate the way that Erica and Harry communicate in that scene without almost without words. Yeah. Do you think there was an engagement ring in that box? I think there was. They're in Paris. It's her birthday. I think that. Yeah, I think so too. He seemed like he was ready for that. The moment they met. Yeah. Mm. Poor Julian. Well, the last thing I have is just another trivia fact, which is that Nancy Myers wrote 
the, these roles specifically for Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson. I love that so much. <laughs> of course she did. Of course she did. Imagine being Nancy Myers and knowing as you're writing a screenplay, like, of course you can never know positively, mm-hmm. but basically knowing that you're writing roles for Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson and you're going to send them to them and they're going to be like, yeah. Like, just imagine being in that place in your life as a writer and a filmmaker. Yeah. Where you just, like, decide that two of the most famous actors of all time are going to be like, yeah, of course we'll be in this thing that you just wrote. All right, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. And uh, follow us on Instagram. We are Tickets Please Pod. Till next time.